welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Well, hello. I'm glad you're here today. Merry Christmas. And it is for sure winter in West Coast. We're here, it's winter time. When I was driving in this morning, I was thinking how slick the roads were, a little bit of snow, and, and I was thinking about if, if it snowed this way in my hometown, Knoxville, Tennessee, it would have been a national disaster. <laughs> there would have been a rush on Walmart, every grocery store, Target, any place that you could buy bread or milk it would have been ransacked and all of the bread and the milk would have been taken. Why you ask bread and milk? I have no idea, but somebody 300 or 400 years ago, when stores opened said, if it snows, go to the store and buy bread and milk. And for generations, that's what's been happening. So why? I don't know. So thank you for being here. All of you guys who are here, thank you for those watching from Brown County Correctional and on the other streaming channels. We are in our next episode of the Ephesians series, I Am Heard. In preparation for this series or this this message today, I was looking back over my timeline And I was looking at people who had significant influence in my life over the years. And I just jotted on that timeline, these different people who had influence in my life. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's really an amazing thing to do, to look at that and see the people who in your life have influenced you or said something to you at just the right time that changed the trajectory of your life or the course of your life or had an influential word or maybe a directional word that said, hey bro, go this way. One of those guys in my life, his name was Larry Howard. Larry Howard was a guy who grew up in Macon, Georgia. He was the most Southern guy I've ever met in my life. Now, some people, obviously you can tell I'm from the South, but I drag, no, I drag zero compared to Larry. He had the longest Southern draw, but he was a guy who grew up with a rock and roll lifestyle. He grew up playing in a rock and roll band called Grinder Switch. Now Grinder Switch opened for Molly Hatchet, 38 Special, Leonard Skinner. Do you guys know anybody, any of those? You got, listen, Pastor Sean, I'll just let you know real quick. Pastor Sean has been throwing out some musical history here and nobody knows who they are. So you guys have got to brush up on this musical history thing. I'm, I'm serious about this, uh, seriously. But anyway, Larry, he was a super guy. He met Jesus and became one of the most influential voices 
in my life at the time because I was in college at that time. And I, I befriended Larry, he befriended me, and he began to talk to me about life. And one day, one evening, I was at his home in Auburndale, Florida. I went to college in Lakeland, Florida. And we were sitting at the table and he was one of those guys that you could just, when you listen to him, he would soften you up, not intentionally, but just because that's who he was. That's the way he was. He would, he would soften you up because he was full of kindness and goodness and generosity because he had been forgiven much from Jesus. And he knew, he knew where he had come from. He knew what Jesus had done for him. So he was grateful and he lived that out and he spoke that to people, everybody that he came in contact with, he had that kind of relationship with. So at that time in college, I'd, I'd never really left home, a little place called Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia, big metropolis, as you can tell. I really say I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee because people know where Chattanooga is, not the other. But I moved to Florida, went to college, and I met Larry. And Larry invited me to his home one night, he and his wife, and we had a barbecue. And we were sitting at the table, and I was telling my story to him. And he was listening, and he picked up pieces. And, and I began to tell the story about where I'd come from and, and how things had been done or said to me and how that, those things influenced my identity, how those things formed in me a thinking about me and who I am and why I'm that way. So at that time, Larry listened and he listened and he listened because I was not good at sharing my story, but this time, it was just one of those times that it just happened. It was just good. And it was what God ordered. So Larry said, after I had stopped in a long Southern draw, he said, who do you think you are? So I was stunned. Like I was floored, knocked back, deer in the headlight. Who do you think you are, bro? He said it in the kindest, nicest, most genuine, like disarming way. And I sat there for a minute and he waited. And I, I continued to sit and stare at Larry. All the time he was leaned back in his chair, just waiting for me to answer. And finally he said, who do you think you are that God can't forgive you and God can't love you and God can't accept you and receive you like you are to make you something better that he has for you in his plans? Who do you think you are? That was a transitional moment for me because one of the things, well, several things I learned in that moment was this. I learned that Jesus didn't have favorites. I learned that he loved me unconditionally, that God had wonderful plans for me and God had great expectations for me, but those expectations were directly proportionate to his plan for my life. And he also taught me, Larry taught me this. He taught me that there's a responsibility to God's call 
on my life and there's a responsibility to God's call on your life. So we have that responsibility. Our culture, this culture in which we live, we are in an identity crisis. We don't have to look far, we don't have to look wide, we don't have to look much past the friends that we have in our lives. There is an identity culture in our, in our uh, identity problem in our culture. We don't have to even guess about it. In fact, everyone wants to identify with something or someone. Much of the time, they're attempting to be something or somebody that they're not, nor could they ever be. Now, if I said, I identify as right there in my mind, the scroll begins of all the people that I know in my life that say, I identify as this, I identify as that. And that little scroll continues to run. And, and we know when we look at those people, we know that it's so obviously not true. And we know that it's so obviously sad because there is no way that they even remotely look or identify as what they believe they are. Let me give you the, the definition for identity. It's to establish or indicate who or what someone or something is. It is how we see ourselves. Not only who we are, but why we are. There's a significant human need to understand who we are and how we see and how we understand ourselves. In fact, that's the way God designed us to know who we are, to understand who we are and to operate in that same identity, knowing full well who we are, why we are, why God has called us and what specifically has he called us to do. This is, this is the truth about identity. Many people, many people, most of their lives struggle to try to find it, to try to identify it, to try to understand it, even to the degree to be able to live it out. We are designed and created to know who we are and to live our lives from a place of confidence and surety based on our identity in Christ Jesus himself. So that being said, clearly, our nation, our culture, our city is in an identity crisis. One of the things that really concerns me is for our city is when I, when I go to a Packer game, it bothers me. It, it troubles me that I see the same people going up and down the steps where my seat is. And throughout the game, they stagger more and more up and down the stairs. It troubles me that we've been identified in this city as one of the drunkest cities in America. It bothers me. It troubles me that there are people like that who don't have an identity, but they're searching for one. Our affiliations determine our identifiers. Who we hang with, we listen to, and who we listen to, we're influenced by. 
So who do you hang around with? Who do I hang around with? Who is it that you listen to? Who is it that is one of the chief influencing voices in your life? I just wanna throw this out to you about influencing voices. Some of us strive to sit at tables, to be heard, or to have a voice. But those are the same tables Jesus wants to flip over in our lives. We, we hunger to be heard. We hunger to have a voice. Part of being heard is having a voice. Yet we fight to sit at a table that Jesus himself would flip over for us in our lives. Here's the clarifying question we've been asking in this series. Am I in Adam or am I in Christ? It's not a question of who I am really, but it's whose I am. That's that's the identifier. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you so much that the word of God brings clarity and wholeness and it paints a backdrop for us to see clearly who we are, whose we are, and how we proceed from this moment. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you for your presence here and thank you for the goodness of God who leads us to repentance in all areas of our life. Amen. So I grew up, my mom was a, a woman who was very concerned with appearance. She had four kids, single mom. The oldest of those was me. I was four and a half years old, three years old, and then, then infant twins. So when we, <laughs> this is, this is not a triggering moment, but it's a funny moment. So when we go out in public, because I had to handle the three-year-old sister, my, there were three girls and me. So I had to handle the three-year-old. So she would put a harness around me. Today, I don't know, they, do they still have harnesses they put on kids? They do. <laughs> I would have thought it would have been child abuse by now, but <laughs> anyway, so she put a harness on me. So whenever we would go anywhere, anywhere, grocery, mall, whatever. She, she would put this harness on me and it would have a long, a long tether on it. And if I got too far, so chain reaction. So I go back and I either have my, my middle sister's hand or grab her shirt and she goes back. I told you, don't get too far ahead. I slow down, don't do that, don't go there. She was, very, she was very concerned about what people thought about the behavior of her kids. If we went somewhere where people were like church or wherever people were, if we went there, she would say, listen, children should be seen and not heard. Anybody ever hear that before? Children, and, and there were times that I and my sisters determined we would be heard. Like the Dos Equis guy, 
It wasn't often, but when we did, we were heard. And then the wrath of Barbara boomed like hellfire and brimstone raining down sideways from both directions and up from the ground. I told you, like Cruella DeVille, her head spinning, I told you. Children, what should children be? Children should be seen and not heard. Maybe that's you. Maybe somebody said to you, you should be seen and not heard. Maybe somebody in your life shuts you down to try to control you or hurt you or snuff you or compartmentalize you intentionally or unintentionally. Maybe they, maybe they were the ones. We're not talking about they this morning who did it. We're talking about maybe that's you who were told children should be seen and not heard because that's not God's intention at all. In fact, it's totally the opposite. God intended for all of us, not only to be seen, but to be heard and to have a voice because to be heard, you have to have a voice. To be heard, you have to speak. You have to seek to speak. It's the Father's original design for us to be good listeners, for us to speak words of life, just as Jesus would. And if you've never had that modeled in your life, then surely it is no reason why you have the inability to do it because I was that guy. That was, that was what Larry was talking about at the table. Who do you think you are, bro? That God can't love you and accept you and heal you. And even furthermore, do you not even know, bro, that God walked through your days before you were even in your mother's womb? He knew you. He knew who you are. People strive to be identified with something through destructive behaviors, attention getters, overly emotional, over actor, over exaggerators. How many of you know over actor, over exaggerators? On three, raise your hand. One, two, three. We all do. Look at that. Hands all over the room right now, go up. I'm not gonna, over-exaggerators. Drama queens and drama kings. Gossips, anger pe angry people, bitter people. But here's one of my favorites. It's the repeater. Have you ever talked to somebody and just they keep repeating the same thing over and over and over and over and over again? Like if you pass me in the lobby and you see me going, that's how many times people are repeating themselves. And when they get to five, I say, I just got a call, I have to go. But here's the truth about people that repeat themselves. People that repeat themselves feel like they're never heard. In Genesis, three things happened. One, God created man in his image. He talked and directed Adam and Eve to the tree of life. 
but away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But the most important thing was, he said this, don't do this, don't go here. And you know the story. The devil did his deal. But what I wanna draw your attention to is this, is that God created us in his image. Not only did he create us in his image, but that word image actually means the handprint of God on you. And that handprint of God on you and on me, unless filled by God, will, you will or I will never be who God created us to be. So the handprint of God has to be on us and on our lives. Otherwise, otherwise, we'll never be whole or complete. In the garden, we were separated from God and Jesus came and he made a way for us to have connection with God again. And that immediate connection today is for us to be able to pray and to have relationship with God and to have direct access. Praying is an immediate connection to God. There's no delay, there's no downtime, there's no disconnect, there's no appointment needed. There is never a line. There is always total and complete access to God. So from the garden, we find out that we're incomplete and we, we seek to be something that, that we are not if the handprint of God is not on our lives. So prayer is something that we have to do. It is expected of the child of God. It is expected of the man or woman who follows Jesus. It is, it is not guessed about. It is not a consideration. In fact, it is expected for us to pray. And praying is this, having conversation with God. Jesus said this, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son of man can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. What the father does, the son does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. Jesus made a habit of breaking away from people, going away to be alone and spending time with his father so that he could hear and understand his father's voice and to do his father's will because in that prayer, in that seeking, God spoke to Jesus and gave Jesus his will so that Jesus could live it out before men and women in that day and it carried on to us. And we as his disciples have to live out that same way, spending time with the father, knowing what he wants us to do, knowing what he wants us to say, knowing what he wants us to live and how he wants us to react and act to people. We'll never know until we pray. First John 2 says, says this, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Ephesians 3, 16 through 21 says this. I pray that from this glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you from the inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, your roots will grow down deep in God's love and you keep growing strong. 
And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ through it to the great understanding, the full understanding of experiencing his love. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever ask or think. That's huge. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, amen. Seven things that happen when you pray and when I pray. Number one, I am empowered with inner strength through the spirit. Acts 1.8 says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you or me, we are full, we are, we are endued, we are filled with power. A power that only the Holy Spirit can give us. I am empowered with inner strength through the spirit. I am empowered to listen to God's voice and not to other voices that would hurt or destroy me. I'm empowered to be tuned in to God's voice, to the Holy Spirit. Number two, when I pray, Christ makes his home in my heart. The creator of all the universe makes his home here. He lives in us. He comes to abide and dwell in us. And the scripture says, because I trust in him, he will make his home in me. Because I trust in him, no darkness can reign, no evil has power, no wickedness can render uh, any authority over our lives, and no doubt is able to penetrate our hearts and minds. And no ungodly word spoken to us, about us, or for us can take charge of our lives. Number three, when I pray, my roots grow deeper in God's love. Keeping me strong in God's love, the, the deeper my roots grow, the stronger I become. Making me strong, becoming strong, staying strong, that is a process as we grow deeper in Jesus. We become strong as we grow deeper in his love. Seven things that happen when I pray, number four, I'm empowered to understand God's love. I'm empowered to understand God's love. This is one of the most intriguing verses to me that I've ever read in my life. All God's people should have this. All God's people should have this understanding. God's love, understand God's love. Imagine if all the Jesus people in the world understood God's love. How different would this world be? How different would identities in people's lives be? How different would this city be if we all were equal? If we all had a, an equality of understanding of God's love? How wide, how long, how deep? Boundless and immeasurable is God's love. In other words, in God's love, we'll never have the same experience twice. The more we grow, the broader, the deeper, the wider, the more the experience 
expands. Number five, I will experience the love of Christ. Now here's what's interesting. I will experience the love of Christ, but the scripture says, though not fully understand it. What's interesting is that we can understand God's love, but not comprehend the experience because the experience is never the same. The experience is one that is limitless, yet it is consistent because the incomprehensible savior does that in our lives. Number six, I'm complete with God's fullness and power. I am complete with God's fullness and power. That word complete means full, lacking nothing. Is there something in your life that's lacking? Is there something in your life that's not complete? Number seven, God accomplishes infinitely more than we could ask or think. God accomplishes infinitely more than we could ask or think. Infinitely means without a boundary or a block, without being able to be stopped. Because of one through six, God accomplishes infinitely more than we could ever think, ask, dream of, imagine, purpose. In other words, our very best purposing, our very best dreaming, our very best thinking, our very best imagining, what God has planned for us is beyond that. God accomplishes infinitely more than we could ever ask or think when we pray. We pray and God begins to accomplish those things that are beyond us that we can never do on our own. He does those things that no one for us could do. He opens doors that no one on this earth can open. He closes doors that no man or woman could shut. And he directs us to that place. Let's pray. You know, you may be saying, I'm, I'm the guy that, or gal, I need to know who Jesus is. I need to experience this, this love. I need to experience this access to God where I can pray. And God himself hears my prayer and he listens to me. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Just look at me, raise your hand, make eye contact and you can put your hand back down. I need Jesus in my life. Thank you, thank you. I need Jesus to come into my life. Thank you. I need Jesus to, thank you. Fill me with his love so that I'm able to do the things that he wants me to do. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Father, thank you for your love. Forgive me of my sin. Give me the understanding of your love.
Help me understand that you have a way for my life. Lead me from this day forward into your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now you may be the person that says, somebody shut me down years ago and said, I should, I should just be seen and not heard. Somebody shut you or cut your switch off and humiliated you or pushed you back or pushed you down and, and they snuffed you. And for years you felt unheard. Would you bow your heads again? If that's you, I feel unheard and I need to be heard. I need to be heard by God. I don't care about anybody else. I want God to hear me and I want him to do things in me that are far bigger than I could ever do or imagine on my own. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Oh, wow, All, every, almost everyone. Father, I pray for my friends right now with, your hand, with the hands in the air and those who didn't raise their hands, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would give them a voice that they may be heard by God and that God himself would begin to act and move about according to his goodwill and pleasure, making his will happen in their lives. Father, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.